Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's your daily dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, October 2nd. Woo, woo. <laughs> Rewind October 2nd. Oh my gosh, you guys. October 2nd. We're already in October. That is crazy making if you think about it. Like, I, I don't know what happened, but now the fact that like, and I'm really feeling it, like it is fall. It feels like fall here in Los Angeles. It feels, you know, kind of crisp in the morning. It's cold. I have my pumpkin smells all over the house. I um I bought ingredients to make like chili. You know, you know it becomes fall when you start buying all the beans and all the squashes and all of that. So, welcome to the show those of you that are new. You know what else happens today on October 2nd? And you guys will understand this is the last 90 days of the year. Do you think I give a shit that is the last 90 days of the year? No. But the only reason I care is because Rachel Hollis, Rachel Hollis from the writer, the writer of Girl, Wash Your Face, uh, the author and motivational speaker. If you guys know, I'm doing a full deep dive on my Patreon for Rachel Hollis and part three comes out today. So if you want to join, you can and go back and listen to part two, one and two. I talk about how I was so like obsessed with Rachel Hollis, obsessed with that kind of Hollis universe. And I drank the Kool-Aid, if you know what I mean. But what's funny is that as I'm doing this today, she dropped a new podcast talking about the last 90 days. So, so many things have changed for her, yet so many things are the same. Get on over to Patreon if you want to join and listen to all of that. You guys, I have so much to talk about today so much. And a lot of you on Facebook and the Daily Dose of Donna Facebook group, or if you're following me on Instagram, you saw a lot of it already. But I had such a fun weekend. And seriously, if any of you guys were there this weekend and I met you, hi. I like It was the highlight of my life to meet you. I know Kelly is here right now. She's over on uh, TikTok. Kelly is my twin from down in Laguna Beach. We like loved meeting each other. And I met um, Sarah from Jeff Lewis Obsessed. And I met uh, Kathy. And I met, you know, it's so funny, actually. I, I actually ran into someone that is a mom at my school, my kid's school, sorry, my kid's school. And my son and her son are very close. And all of a sudden, I see her at this event. So what did I do? Okay, let me go back. Amy Phillips, the host of, the former host of, what was her show called? Was it called Reality Bites? I can't even remember. Um, she did the reality uh, wrap, wrap up basically every single day on Radio Andy. And now she is, she has her own podcast called Drama Darling. Reality Check. Thank you so much. And I know Amy for years and years because I used to audition her way before she kind of like jumped into Andy Cohen's universe. And I think she's just literally a genius. She's so fun. And so smart and so good at impressions. She does all the housewife impressions. And then Chef Stu, who is most famously probably known as Jeff Lewis's on-again, off-again boyfriend, 
But Chef Stu is a, uh, he's a chef, obviously, and he's done his own share of, you know, media things. And he and Amy co-wrote a book, a, a cookbook last year where they do a lot of housewives recipes and they do, um, you know, just basically drinks, cocktails, and, you know, I don't know, meals based on housewives. So they had this event and I knew that Sarah was flying in from Texas and I got my girls and we went over there and it was in West Hollywood. And, um, it was actually at a location that was, it's a casting studio, really. It's like LA models. I'm pretty sure it's where Emily took, if you're watching OC, it's where Emily took Annabelle, her daughter, Annabelle for her audition or like to try to get represented. Anyway, it was um, it was really, really fun. It was really fun seeing Amy. It was really cool meeting Stu. I got to finally meet Doug in person, Doug Buden, if you're a chump or if you're a Jeff Lewis fan, who is so, so freaking sweet, cute, kind, lovely, lovely. Um, I got to hang out with Alyssa, who I've met before because I've done Amy's serious radio show. I was a guest twice. So I do know Alyssa, but I never met her in person. It was nice to finally hang out with her. Um, And then Emily and Gina from OC were there and they were part of like the demonstration with Stu. Okay. You guys, this is not a drill. Emily Simpson from Real Housewives, if you've been following her glow up on her social media, she's working out. She looks phenomenal on online, on social. But when I tell you, when I took a picture with her, this woman is a knockout. Like I can't even explain to you how beautiful she is. She's so snatched and perfect like body. Her body is banging, okay? And she's gorgeous. I've always thought she was gorgeous. I thought she was gorgeous even when she was heavier. She's always had a very beautiful face to me and she's always had really beautiful hair. And I mean, with the dress and the outfit and the hair and the makeup and stuff, she looked phenomenal. Gina was there. Gina, I didn't get to talk to Gina actually. I don't, I don't remember specifically what happened, but I didn't talk to Gina, but she looked cute. She looked pretty, very pretty. And then Travis was there. Um, you know what I've said about Travis before. So maybe I should just kind of zip it. Um, he's not a bad guy. Just a little, just a little boring. Not necessarily like good reality TV for me, just saying. And then Shane, I hung out with Shane for a little bit. Shane, Emily's husband, nicest guy, like legitimately nicest guy. Really so sweet. We talked about getting his kids into the industry. He was saying how Annabelle, um, how Emily really wants Emily. I mean, Emily really wants Annabelle, her daughter, to do acting and modeling. Um, And I hated to say it because I was standing right there. So if you guys know, I used to work with kids, right, as a casting director. And while I think that there's there can be great situations, it does depend, I think, on your family and your parents and everything. I personally would not ever want my kids to enter that world, especially as young kids. Like if they want to be teenagers or older or whatever and decide that's the path. But as young kids, it's really, really – number one, it's not glamorous at all. Unless you get, you know, the starring role – And then you deal with all those other things of having a starring role, right? You have a kid that's like recognized and now famous and social media. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not ideal personally, but I have a lot of stories about this. Yes. Wait until 18. I totally, totally agree. If they still want to do it, like do theater, right? Dylan, my oldest, he's a musical theater lover. 
he loves all of that stuff. And I have him in like the local theater program, but he's not auditioning. He's not going and trying to get an agent. That being said, one of the women at the party is a manager. Her name's Wendy and she's a talent manager. She used to work at Paradigm. She used to work at Abram. She used to be, I mean, she was and is like the kid's agent. Now she works with, um, now she works with as a manager, not an agent. But I saw her at the party and she, she was there because she wanted to get Annabelle. That was the truth. But, um, but she and Shane were chatting and I was telling Shane, I was like, I love Wendy. You got to work with Wendy. So hopefully Wendy gets that sign. Um, it was so funny. She also said, I represent Lisa Rinna. And I was like, wait, what? You're a kid's (laughs) like, you've worked with all the kids. Literally, she worked with Bella Thorne when I was working on, you know, when I cast Zendaya and Bella Thorne on Shake It Up, which was called Dance Dance Chicago on Disney years and years ago. So she repped Bella. She repped all the top kids. And, oh, she told me some good stuff, but I don't know if I can say that out loud. Um, Probably don't want to get sued. Okay. So let's keep it going. And, um, oh, yeah. So the night was really fun. I'm trying to think if there was a – oh, Patrick and Paul were there. I didn't go and talk to them. Um, not on purpose, but we left a little early because we had dinner reservations. And then um, was anyone else there that I met? I'm trying to think. If I think of it, I'll let you know. It was super fun. We had a great time. And then we came back over to the Valley and ended up at a Thai show. And then Casita across the street. These are two like spots that I go to all the time. And I ended up um, – I ended up running into Manette, who is a doser. She's a double – she's an overdoser because she's on the highest tier of Patreon. So I recognized her because of um, – we do our Zoom happy hour. Speaking of, that highest tier of Patreon is our Zoom happy hour this Friday. Okay? So sign up. And then we can meet in person on Zoom. It's a weird thing. So anyway, that was really fun. Now let's talk about other people that had pretty tumultuous weekends. You guys, lots of – Lots of things in the news before we get into some conversations about TV, et cetera. But we got to get into it, okay? Who do you think had the biggest weekend, like, ever? Taylor Swift. When I tell you, I'm trying really hard to not be affected by this in any way. I'm trying really, really hard to be very separated from this entire, you know, upset. You know, I like Taylor Swift a lot. You know, I love her shows. And I went to the Eras tour and I screamed my face off. I went like so sick as a dog, but I'm obsessed with, I love her music. I love, I love Taylor. I really do. I'm not a Swifty. Like I don't know all of the, um, I think to be a Swifty, it's like taking it to a new level. You have to know like secret things, right? You have to know, like, she wrote this song because of the one guy that she broke up with in this day, and then she wore this underwear, and like, you have to know crazy things. I don't think I'm at that level. I just really, really love her. Love her. I also think Taylor Swift is literally, I don't know, I can't think of the last person. Can you guys tell me who the last person in the pop culture world that had this much influence? Okay, this is why I really, really don't Like, I can't even wrap my head around the kind of influence this girl has. Here's why. So as you know, she started dating Travis Kelsey. No one knew if it was a for sure thing or not. Travis Kelsey, now I know, is number 87. He's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. I am a football fan now, and this is why. So last night, well, a week ago, she shows up at the first game in public, right? So now she's hanging out with his mom, Donna, 
in the box. We're like, oh, they're together. Then we see pictures of them canoodling at a bar late night that night. Oh, they are fully together. Now, will she go to this next week's game? Of course she will. She lives in New York and it's in New York. She's not touring. So the Chiefs played the Jets and Travis actually spent Saturday night at Taylor's house and he was spotted leaving Taylor Swift's apartment at like 11 a.m. on Sunday, on game day. I thought that was so interesting. I'm like, can you imagine dating someone and like in those early days and you're like, I have the biggest football game tomorrow. I'm a, you know, we're doing Sunday night football tomorrow night, but I'll still have a sleepover with you. And he must really like Taylor. And I think she really, really likes him too from what we saw yesterday. So of course she goes to the game. It is a media circus. Okay. So paparazzi fans crazy outside of her apartment just to see a tinted black car drive out. No vision of who's in there. It literally could have been, you know, another person in the building. Doesn't matter. Everyone was there. Okay. So she goes to the game with such a foursome, like, wow, Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, and Hugh Jackman. I want to think to myself that these four sat in the car and sang karaoke songs on the way. Like, I want, I want, I hope they drove singing, this is the greatest show. You know, like it should have been a greatest showman's theme soundtrack as they were driving to the game. I personally, well, okay, so much to say here. Now, we know Taylor and Blake have worked together. We know they're very, very close. Obviously, her husband's Ryan Reynolds. He's like, I'm not missing this shit. I'm coming. And then Hugh Jackman, that came out of left field, but go him. Okay, he's newly single. He's ready to go. He's grown out a beard. You know, he wants to get his eye candy too. So he goes. So anyway, the four of them are joined in the box with Sabrina Carpenter. That's a Disney girl that I used to know from back in the day. Um, I used to audition her. Um, Sophie Turner, that's Joe Jonas's ex-wife or current whatever, going through the separation, which is so weird because Taylor Swift and Joe Jonas used to have a thing. That's like a whole other beast. Um, And lots of other people. You guys tell me if anyone else was there that I missed that was in the stands. Oh, you know who was in the stands? You know who was in the box with like you 80s kids like me, you will know this and you will get this. Robin Lively. That's Blake Lively's, one of Blake Lively's sisters. Robin was in Tell me what the movie was. Was it Teen Wolf? Now I all of a sudden I'm like, what was the name of the movie? What was the name of the movie? The famous movie that she was in in the 80s. Everyone think together. Teen Witch. Teen Witch. This is why I do this live on TikTok. It's for you guys to get. Okay. Teen Witch with the song. I mean, if you were an 80s kid, you know Teen Witch. Now I will tell you a little fun casting lively story. So the whole lively family are actors. Okay. If they aren't current actors, they used to be actors, etc. So Blake Lively's mom is a manager. Blake Lively's dad, I want to say either is in the business somehow. I can't remember exactly. There's Robin Lively. There's Blake Lively. There's Lori Lively. Lori Lively is a huge acting coach for kids specifically here in LA. She's, well, I don't know actually where she lives now, but she's a huge acting coach. And then there's, um, um, hold on, Eric Lively. Okay. I didn't ask you, Siri. Eric Lively. So Eric Lively is, I don't know if he still acts, actually. I really don't know because he was always, this is a really inside baseball conversation, but he was always um, 
He's a very funny guy. He's in the same age range. He's probably like 40, okay? I cast a show years ago when I was still a casting assistant, and it was called Modern Men, and it was Jerry Bruckheimer producing it, but it was a sitcom. It was a multi-camera sitcom, and the stars of the show were this actor, Josh Broughton. I don't know if you know him. Eric Lively, three guys, and Max Greenfield. And those of you that watch New Girl, you know Max as Schmidt. That's his character, right? Schmidt. So the three of them worked together. So I loved Eric Lively back then. And then, of course, with Robin and Lori and Bla- I mean, it's such a powerhouse family. So she was in the box. I thought that was such a fun little like side note to see. Um, it was a it was a nail biter of a game. Why? Why did I, how do I know that? Well, because your girl, Lance was down here in the bonus room, which is like right next door to my office down here. He was like reorganizing, not the bonus room, the laundry room. He was reorganizing the laundry room, like all his tools and whatever. So he was down here. I was upstairs making dinner and doing like mom things, you know, all the things inside, a little laundry, a little cleaning, a little dinner, a little all that. I had TV to myself. My kids had their iPads. They were doing their own thing. Guys, I turned on the football game. I've never in my life turned on a football game without being forced to. Never. Can't think of one time in my life. Oh, I watched that game. Not only did I watch it, I was into it. I was like nail, nail biting at the end of my seat into it. I think the NFL is losing their shit over Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. I guarantee that Taylor Swift dating Kelsey, boosted those ratings. Does anyone know? I haven't looked it up yet. I want to know what the ratings were for yesterday's game. I think it was probably the, like, I think it could have been at Super Bowl status. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I don't know. But I think it was a really, really, really big night for NFL. Um, It was really fun. Oh, yeah. Another thing that she has crazy influence over. 400% increase in Travis Kelsey jersey sales in one week. 400%. You guys, 400%. Um, Another thing, YouTube TV, which is how I watch my live TV, the cursor, like during Golden Bachelor, I noticed they had a cute little rose. And by the way, Golden Bachelor, I watched it over the weekend, obsessed, so cute. That got 4 million views, which is a big deal for Bachelor. But they had heart hands like this as the cursor. That's all Taylor Swift. And I thought to myself, how cute would it be if Travis from like down on the field, like just gave a half a heart and then Taylor gave the other half of the heart. Why do I feel like we are, you know, in, you know what I feel like? I feel like we're watching a high school quarterback and cheerleader finally falling in love. Like, I don't know why we're so invested in this relationship, but we are. Well, I don't know if all of you guys are. Apparently a lot of people that were watching the NFL because they want to watch the game, we're getting annoyed by all the cuts to Taylor. But listen, the NFL knows that the audience wants to see it and they're not stupid. If they didn't cut to her, they would have gotten shit. So I think it was very cute. Um, She seemed really happy. She seemed really into it. She was eyeing him the entire game. At the end, she had this cute little moment where she goes over to Blake and she goes, look at him. You can like mouth her words. And she's like showing how he's like, you know, fist bumping all the other dudes. I mean, she is smitten. And if he breaks up with her, we're going to get such a good album. 
what's what's it going to be called? Oh, like his his podcast is called New Heights. It's going to be called like Blue Heights or something. Oh, okay. We'll have to see. It was really, really, really cute. Oh, interesting. Okay. So someone said that if they break up, the people like football fans are going to turn on Taylor. I think the football fans are only going to turn on Taylor if Kelsey all of a sudden stops playing well. I think as long as he's playing well, she's golden. But if I were her, I would not continue to go to so many games. I would pull back. But one of you guys told me that she is touring a lot in the upcoming Sundays. So if that's the case, then maybe she won't be at the games. Because I do think it's like a lot. It is a lot. And it's really, really adorable and fun to watch. But as long as Kelsey's winning. Like last night was very close, y'all. It was 23 to 20. And there was a very strong possibility that the Jets could have taken this one. And by the way, let's talk about the Jets for one second. Who is that Jets coach? He may, be, he may have to go on my list. You know, next to Craig. Who else do I have a crush on again? It's hard to keep them straight. Um, adorable. So young, so good looking. Also, I know Aaron Rodgers was out. Not into the mustache look, by the way, just saying. Kelsey has the same one. But when Aaron, Rod- Aaron Rodgers was out, so the guy that came in for him, Zach Wilson, I think is his name. Someone get him a CW show. Zach Wilson. How old is Zach Wilson? Very good looking guy. I mean, now this is how I watch TV. But you know what? It's not just me. Because then I turned on Roni last night. And we have a whole Roni section coming up, so don't you worry. But I turned on Roni last night while Lance was upstairs, and he doesn't like to be in the room when I watch Real Housewives. He, th- he finds it insanely annoying and triggering and the whole thing. But he was upstairs, and he was you know going through and like folding his laundry or hanging his clothes, and so it was on. And when I tell you, he was like, who's that? Bryn. I said, that's Bryn. He goes, oh, she's hot. And I was like, oh, okay, I I agree. But this is the kind of person she is. Keep watching. And it was when they were at that lesbian bar with Jenna Lyons. And I'll tell you something. I was like, Lance, you may want to, you know what, Bren, but you do probably don't want to marry someone like that. Because Lance would, I I was like, she flirts with, can I say this right? Inanimate objects, Bren. Okay, we'll get into that later. All right, I have to do it, but I don't want to do it. But I have to do it because my dosers expect me to bring you guys this stuff. But Bethany Frankel, this woman, she can't stop, won't stop, can't stop, won't stop, literally do. Like, you know how they say um, this is like a real far reach? But you know how they say when uh, you go to sleep at night, if you're a snorer, you should try to tape your mouth? It's like for health benefits, so you breathe through your nose, and it's like really healthy supposedly to tape your tape your mouth closed. Like she needs to, she needs to use more mouth tape, like all the time. It's too much all the time, all the time. And I say this as someone that speaks now for a living. I just don't find like you guys watch my Instagram stories. I share a lot, but I'm not just like talking to my phone all day long. She creates six to eight TikToks a day. It's pretty like, I don't know. It feels a lot. Um, but this time, as I said in our Facebook group, I think her phone finally said, stop yelling at me. And her phone didn't allow her to create a TikTok. So then she decided to write a 4,000 word manifesto. Um, if you guys saw on Instagram yesterday, my friend, my East Coast correspondent, Molly Dare, sent me a screenshot of this like six pages. I will not read them to you. I did not read them 
yesterday. I feel like I'm cat, cat in the hat. I will not in a box. I will not with a fox. I will not wearing socks. I face reality 16. My friend, she, Eliza, she posted on her Instagram. She goes, it's like that meme that says that's too long. I'm, I'm not reading that. My condolences or congratulations, whichever one. It was so long. It was so crazy. Then she immediately deleted it and then reposted it. I think she had like a little bit more of a PR spin on it or someone read it. Here's what she, the gist from what I'm thinking she was meaning was, was saying, so I thought, number one, whenever you see someone post like a six page with lots of writing on it, you know, Instagram post, I'm thinking like, oh, we're hearing something big. So this, so this is where my brain went. The first thing I thought was, I, I thought she was going to officially announce that she is no longer, you know, doing this big push towards reality TV. I thought something happened where she maybe she was offered a reality show and she wants to take it. So she was like, it's okay. Never mind. Reality's fine. That's what I thought first. That wasn't the case. Then I thought maybe she's talking about the fact that something is really like bad in her life. Like maybe there's like a health issue or maybe she's breaking up with her fiance or whatever. Or maybe she decided that she's no longer going to show her daughter on her TikTok or something. Nope, not, not that. So essentially what she said was just more of the same. Basically, she's saying that after kind of stepping out of this reality world and looking at it from this perspective, she realizes that she doesn't like a lot of the people because of what the media shows us of them. That she was a product of this reality TV machine and she acted horribly in the past and would do it again for money because she was desperate, because she knew that when she had these quick witted comments and, and conversations about people, she, um, would get like rewarded by the network. Basically they would love her and they felt like she was doing better so that she, you know, whatever. She said, this is not, not only a reckoning for reality TV, it's also a reckoning within myself. For more, listen to Rewives podcast. Okay. So here's what I think. We broke down the Nini and Bethany interview on Friday. Nini's interview with Bethany, I think she thought that it was going to double what Raquel Levis's interview did. If you guys remember Raquel with Vanderpump Rules, she had three parts over three days. It was mind-blowing for the audience because no one had heard Raquel speak. People were dying over it. And um, Bethany's podcast shot up to number one. But that's because we really wanted to hear from Raquel. Raquel had been silent for months and months after Scandaball. So as we all said, the fact that Bethany inter- interviewed Raquel was not the reason most people tuned in. Most people tuned in because it was Raquel. Raquel could have been talking to anyone and we would have tuned in. Nini coming and talking to Bethany was clearly not as much of a hit. Her podcast never did extremely well from what I saw. I never saw it in the top lists. Like, you know, I'm constantly checking charts and stuff. That's part of when you're in a podcast world, you do that. Um, I, I, I did not, I didn't find any like serious, you know, hit from her podcast. She was, as of yesterday, she was number 70 on the top charts. And this was on a Sunday when she released the episode, what was it? Late Thursday night, basically Friday. There's a few reasons for this. Number one, we've heard Nini's story now. Okay. She was just on Carlos King and a lot of people have heard that. Number two, 
I think honestly, people are getting sick of Bethany and this whole story, right? Like I think the, the, with Raquel, everyone was like, oh my God, I need to listen with this. Most people told me, please just recap it for me. Like I, I can't do it. It was basically three hours long between the two episodes and it was a lot. It's a lot of talking. It's a lot. And I think people are getting a little bit, um, just like burnt out on it, burnt out. Um, also, I don't think people listened to that interview in general and told their friends, like, you have to hear this. Because I don't think, and a lot of you guys agreed with me over this on DMs, I don't think their strategies were aligned. Tell me if I'm wrong. They must have not really fully talked about what the goal of the podcast was. And the reason why I say that is because I, I believe Bethany has one goal with her message. And Nini completely was not part of that like strategy. She was not, either she wasn't aware of it or she didn't want to be. Like, I think Nini would sit down with Andy Cohen right now and make up with him. I really do from what I heard. And Bethany is, is it's the war against Andy Cohen. I've never heard anything like the way Bethany was talking about Andy. It was awful, actually. I really felt for Andy for the first time listening to that because I'm like, she's really, this is a vendetta against Andy Cohen. And Nene really never took that. In fact, Nene kept saying, well, yeah, it's not so much about that. It's more about the fact that as a black woman, I think I was treated differently than a white woman that was going through similar experiences. And Bethany's like, yeah, but let's talk about Andy Cohen. You know what I mean? It just didn't flow. It felt like they were at odds. It felt like Nini a lot of times was saying something about like, um, like, wait, what? Like, huh? No, I don't know. I don't think that's the, you know, Bethany was saying, so you burned a bridge. And Nini's like, wait, 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 I didn't burn a bridge. Like there was a lot of that kind of conversation. I also thought Nini, and the more I thought about this on Friday night, I was thinking Nini's whole story here is that she's now in her words, blackballed from the industry. I don't believe, just from having some knowledge of this world, I don't believe there's any world where Andy Cohen and Bravo can blackball someone from working in any way in the industry. Maybe NBC Universal says never again, but there's thousands of other places to go, especially in these streaming days, right? There's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's this, there's that, there's online, there's internet, there's, there's, um, podcasts, there's game shows. We all know this. Like there's so many things you can do. Um, I don't believe it's because of Andy and Bravo and NBC universal. I follow Krista Lepore, who is a interview. I mean, is a TikTok creator who I met here on TikTok. And she listens to the podcast too. And she she posted about something that I think we all kind of like skipped over. And I'm really interested to know this. Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy, the creator of Glee. Ryan Murphy from, did he do Nip Tuck or did I make that up? That was such a good show. Um, Ryan Murphy from The New Normal. These are two shows, New Normal and Glee are two Ryan Murphy produced shows. He's still working. Ryan Murphy is still a very, very successful creator, producer, director, writer, all the things, whatever. Why isn't he hiring Nini? Because these people, creators, 
and showrunners and stuff on in this industry, you know what they do? They bring the same people from set to set. Because if you love working with someone, you want to work with them all the time. Like look at Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler will hire his same people wherever he goes. Yeah, American Horror Story too. Yeah, you're right. Adam Sandler will hire his same people wherever he goes. He'll try to bring his friends in. He'll try to bring his favorite actors in. Most creators do this. Like that's that that's the nice thing about this industry is like if you have friends in the business, like you can get pulled in and get on people's lists. Why can't Nene do one thing for Ryan Murphy? What's the real story there? So it's really, really interesting. I just want to hear from someone who worked in production on the new normal or on Glee. I'm dying to know like what it was really like. Okay. So Bethany, I think, is very desperado to keep her name in the media. And she saw that the podcast didn't do it. That podcast was, in my opinion, it was quite a fail of an interview. And oh my God, when I tell you, did you guys see the TikTok that she posted of her dancing to, I got my peaches down in Georgia with Nene? It was, cringy is not even, cringy is, is, is a good word, I would say. It's, it was so bad. You're talking about these serious things. You're talking about getting blackballed in the industry. You're talking about this man who in your eyes like took you down or whatever and treat. And then all of a sudden you see this little stupid TikTok where Bethany's like mouthing, I got my peaches out in Georgia. And then the camera pans to Nini and she's doing some dance. So what's happening? Are we seven? Okay. 17 maybe. Um, let's move on to someone else who had a quite, quite a weekend. And that's Kyle Richards and Mauricio. So it was after my show on Friday when I was recording my Patreon episode when Lance tells me that Mauricio just talked to TMZ outside. And I went because Lance, you know, was inside doing rehearsals. So I went on TMZ. I was like, oh, my God. Mauricio spoke. We talked about this. Oh, I did a TikTok about it. So I haven't talked about it on the show. But basically, he he said a few things that were kind of surprising to everyone. I'm not going to get into it too long because you guys have probably heard by now, but A, they are officially separated. Okay. We got some information, you guys. Kyle Richards and Mauricio Umansky are officially separated. Now we know. Didn't know. Now we know. Great. We thought. We just didn't know. Number two, he said, whoever broke the story to people, if they were in his circle, meaning a friend, they're not no longer his friend. If they are an employee, they are no longer working. They are fired. Because he says that when that People Magazine article came out in July, they were not separated. They were still trying to make it work. Didn't look like that from their July 4th pictures, but whatever. And then since then, now they are separated. Um, he also said something that was like, whoa. He basically said, I can guarantee 100% or something along those lines that Morgan and Kyle, Kyle has not cheated on me with Morgan Wade. And they are not sleeping together. What do you guys think Kyle Richards' reaction to that interview was? I can just see her. She was out in Atlanta with Morgan or somewhere else. I can just see her fucking losing her shit. Like, Mauricio! I think that they, seriously, she literally, like, is, is freaking out that he's talked about it. Do I think that Morgan and Kyle are together? This is just my opinion. Yes. 
100%. So then she comes back to LAX last night and TMZ and, you know, Backgrid or whatever. They're all there filming her. Interesting, interesting timing that they just happened to know she was going on a plane. Um, she was with Carney Wilson, of all people, from Wilson Phillips and her daughter. And she also said, yes, we're separated. And she wouldn't answer about Morgan. She was dressed like Morgan Wade. Did you guys notice that? Now, I don't think it's the last we're seeing of her and Morgan together. Obviously, they're doing their documentary, but whatever. We'll have to see it. Mauricio is on Dancing with the Stars still, so I'm curious if she goes to support him tomorrow night, Kyle. Um, Most likely she will because, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. It's really – this is so – not the goal is to talk about it. But it's so weird because they keep talking about it. I just find it really weird. There are ways, you guys, in life – to say, like, I don't want to talk about it and then actually just walk away from paparazzi. You don't have to answer the questions. You know, you could just say, like, no and walk, right? I don't think you have to answer questions. Now, let's let's switch gears for a second to another Beverly Hills couple. Let's talk about PK and Dorit. I was walking my dogs on Saturday afternoon, gorgeous day here in LA, and I'm walking my dogs and all of a sudden it, it dawns on me, where's Dorit? Now, I follow her on social media, so I'll see her randomly pop up here and there. But why was PK sitting at Kyle Richards' table at Dancing with the Stars last week without Dorit in sight? Why are Kyle and PK filming these little Instagram stories of working out and tagging each other and then like going back and forth? Where is Dorit? Dorit hasn't posted anything about PK since July or August. Remember, now we're in October. And neither has PK or Dorit. Where is what's going on with that relationship? Now, here's an example of two people that actually do, I think, want privacy. They haven't said a goddamn word. We don't hear anything. They are not talking about it in the media. We're not hearing random, you know, clips of things. They're not walking outside of Craig's at night. They're not going to the Ivy or like wherever that they know they're going to get a paparazzi spotting. They're not calling paparazzi. They're silent, which makes me actually respect them. I think it's possible that you can actually be silent. You don't have to have people follow you and ask you the questions. Please, no more questions. I, no one wants to talk about it. Yes, we're separated. I find it very interesting. Okay. It was a big TV weekend and we have to start, we have to start with Love is Blind. Now, Love is Blind released episodes five through seven on Friday. I'm assuming that by Monday, October 2nd, you guys have watched them because they're bingeable. But if you do not want to hear about it, I do have timestamps so you can fast forward to the next segment. Love is Blind. Have you guys watched it? Here are my thoughts. Spoiler alert. Taylor and JP. Let's start with Taylor and JP. JP, the American flag. And Taylor, sweet little adorable, you know, pretty country belle type of girl. She's, who does she look like? She looks like someone and I can't place it, but she's so sweet. 
And she had a moment in her interviews way before JP and her started, um, you know, like actually met where she was saying, I used to really not like myself and now I finally love myself. And it was a foreshadowing moment because then she meets Mr. American Flag himself, JP, who I I would if I really cared enough. I would go back and watch episodes one through four to see how much conversation was between the two of them. But I didn't have the energy, patience or want or desire or care enough. So I didn't. But from the moment JP and Taylor meet in person, I'm like, oh shit, it ain't good. It ain't good. It reminded me of a Zach and Arena moment. Shout out to season four, right? Miranda Lambert, that is a good call, Ray. That's a good call. She looks like Miranda Lambert. So they have this moment where she's so happy to see him. And he goes like, um, and he goes, I know. And I think that's the most he ever said on the rest of their journey together. I've never seen anything like it. Who in the world thought this guy was ready for reality TV? Now, I think he did speak a little bit in the pods because I think he is a socially awkward guy. So it was comfortable for him to do that. But the second he was in front of her, he literally got stopped up like, like, you know, someone that ate too much bread. You know what I mean? Like literally on another level. And then, and then Dana, Elizabeth, thank you. And then he did something that made me want to die. And it was the way he kissed. And I'll just tell you this. It didn't happen one time. It didn't happen twice. It happened probably four. It happened way more than he spoke. Where they would go in to kiss. She would go to him and she would give him like this lovely kiss. And he would, instead of like making out, he would pull back and do this pecking, like intense pecking on her. I I couldn't. You guys, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able, if I was her in that moment, I would be like, why are you doing that? It's weird. Like if I were her, I would say like, JP, please like, like just kiss me. Like, what is this? Like, like, are we, are we six? Like what's happening? Then, then he decides to just stop. He becomes a mute. I dated a quiet guy once. I said this on the Facebook group. I dated a quiet guy. It's incredibly challenging to date someone that's quiet, especially if you're someone that speaks right? Maybe two quiet people work, but I like conversation as you guys know, right? I like talking, but I don't like talking at nothing. I like a back and forth. And I remember when I first met Lance and he and I started dating, I was like, oh my God, he speaks. And my ex-boyfriend didn't. And so I don't know if you guys know this kind of feeling, but if I had like a big story to talk about or something I wanted to talk to him about, sometimes I would hold on to it until we went out to dinner. Cause I was like, we're not going to have anything to talk about at dinner if I don't say it at dinner. The worst, but this should not happen date one. This should not happen when you first get to know each other. He was awful. And then he turned it around on her because then she was like, what is going on? Like, this is not what I thought. We're not feeling it. Like we're not doing well. And he's like, it's because you're wearing too much makeup. Why aren't you looking like this? What are you talking about? She says, when I met you, you had these fake eyelashes. You had makeup caked on. Well, we know that she didn't. She just looked like a girl dressed up, right? Like she's on TV, goddammit. Like let her dress up and put on some makeup. She's meeting her future husband for the first time. Name me one girl that's like, I want to go natural. Never would happen. He blamed this makeup idea on, on the fact that he sucks as a boyfriend. Oh, it was very frustrating. So one couple down, they're gone. 
Now, remember, Uche, we'll get into Uche in a second, but Uche and Aaliyah also broke up before even the reveal because she left because of the Lydia situation. Lydia is the girl that Uche used to date who happened to be there. Now, Lydia and Milton are still together. Lydia is like nine nine years older or something than Milton, maybe six years older than Milton, like 30-something and 24. Milton, God bless his heart. He's a sweet engineer, seven-foot-tall guy, kind of dorky, kind of kind, like – I'm going to be mean. I don't want to be mean, but like zero sex appeal, in my opinion. Lydia, you know, for like, yeah, Lydia's like a pretty, she's a pretty woman. She's spicy. She's feisty. She speaks a lot. She talks a lot. She mothers the hell out of him. It is so weird that she likes him. It doesn't sit well with me. It seems very strange. But apparently they really like each other. Like they go out with her family and, you know, everyone's crying and stuff. I don't know. I don't get it, you guys. I don't get it. But her ex, Uche, was the one that was in the pods, which is interesting. One second. But then the third couple, I thought they were my favorites. I was so rooting for them, Izzy and Stacy. Stacy's this adorable like Pilates instructor. She seemed really cool and great in the pods and fun. And then they meet in Mexico and Izzy to me is good looking. And then they have this amazing sex and they're just like laughing together and having so much fun. And I'm like, oh, this is a couple that will 100% last. And then they go home. And all of a sudden, Stacy becomes Princess Stacy. And I say this like, what happened there? All of a sudden, she starts talking about the fact that she expects nice things. And, you know, if we're going to be living together and my air conditioning goes out, you're, you're going to have $20,000 in savings for me? Like, whoa, it was so intense. And then, and he was like, okay. And then she comes to his house. She starts judging him because he has red solo cups and paper plates in his dishes. No, look, to be honest, I would probably think it was weird too. But the way she made him feel, wait, you're saying that if you, invited me over here and we didn't meet on Love is Blind and you invited me over here and made dinner, you would give it to me on plastic? And he was like, yeah. And she was like, wow, wow. I I need to go outside. What? Then he goes and meets dad. And dad says, well, just want to let you know, Stacy does like nice things. Stacy really does like to travel. She really wants a lot of <laughs> It was so crazy. She wants a lot of money, basically. Like, what are you going to do about that, Izzy? And he goes, well, you know, financially, I'm just starting out this new position in insurance. And, and the dad goes, well, it's not only about money. Actually, I think it is only about money. I think they're all just saying that Stacy wants to be treated really well. Stacy was like, I like to travel really nice. I like to be staying at luxury. <sighs> now I don't like Stacy anymore. So I'm not rooting for anyone on that show, which is such a dud of a season of Love is Blind. It really just turned into, it really just turned from like, oh my God, this is so good to just like, ew, I don't care about any of them. And I hope, I don't really care if they get married or not. I'll watch, but I don't really care. Now, Uche went crazy last night on his Instagram stories. Uche, who has left the show, if you remember in this last episode, he finally does meet Aaliyah in person. He's sitting there at dinner with her or at lunch. And they're finally having this conversation where she was like, I love you. I want to be with you. And he was like, I can't trust you. Now, Uche comes off like such a prick to me. I don't know if you guys feel it. Like, I would never be able to date a guy like that. He feels like he's yelling at you constantly. But this is the craziest part. At the end of this conversation, he says, it's not going to work. It's over between us. 
And she's like, okay. And she walks away or they, and then they walk away or whatever. Guess what? According to him, that was a Frankenbite. And if you know production lingo, that means that was added in like an extra additional thing that was added in a word like, um, but he never actually said that. He said, we actually shared our first kiss at that lunch and decided to date afterwards. We left holding hands. So Uche and Aaliyah started dating afterwards. He said the show didn't show that. Love is blind is dying right now. If this is actually true, if Uche and Aaliyah actually made out after that lunch and walked away holding hands and that they wanted to date together and, and the way that the edited version looked like Uche was breaking up with her, I would die. I mean, what in the world? Whoa, that's a big deal for, for love is blind and for contracts and stuff to say that. Cause like, you just can't say stuff like that. So I'm dying to know why. I mean, how is Love is Blind going to come back and say like, no, that didn't actually happen when it really, if it did really happen. Um, Tara says, I heard other couples got engaged too. Why don't we see that? That happens also. I've heard like in other seasons. It's very odd. It's very odd this Love is Blind, like what they decide to show. But the fact that we're stuck with two couples that we don't care about is not good. I mean, I want to know one person out there that is dying, like in love with Milton and Lydia or... Izzy and Stacy. I don't think anyone cares about any of them. What about Johnny? Johnny was the girl that was painted as like a cuckoo. She came back in and she's now dating the cutest guy of them all. I can't remember his name. They were kind of dating in the pods and then they broke up and then whatever. And they seemed actually sweet, Chris. They seemed actually sweet. Was that just editing? Was Johnny like edited to be this like, you know, I don't know. It was so weird. I thought it was weird. Okay. Roni. Who watched it? Who watched Real Housewives last night? Just a couple thoughts. You know, I don't give full recaps. Thank God. Just a couple thoughts. Bryn needs to take it down all the notches. I am so done with Bryn. I am so over the show the horse and pony show of like, look at me, I am flirty. (laughs) I can't do it. And it's so exhausting to watch on TV. So I don't know if this is like an editing thing because we have seen her not be that way. Like when she was in the bookstore, when she was talking to her brother on the hike, we've, we've seen her without that side. So I don't know if it's like constantly with this flirtiness or not, but the edit, the edit of the show is that she is this way all the time. I can't, if I have to see her try to make out with Jenna Lyons as a joke anymore, I find it gross. I find it not gross because Jenna Lyons or anything, but gross that she's putting on this like persona. I would never be able to have a friend like that in real life. That's like, that's the person that you can only handle for one hour. Yeah, the bookstore version of Bryn was great. Like, I loved hearing that she's well-read, that she can quote The Economist, that she's smarter. I don't understand this need to kind of come off like this, like, (laughs) flirty like this. So interesting to me. Jenna Lyons was great. She was sweet. You know, I I actually have have really warmed up to her. Um, I know a lot of people don't like her from the show, but I, I think that she has really stepped into this, like, trying to feel out being like alive and, you know, like showing off skin and being a little hotter and, you know, whatever. Um, 
I don't mind her at all, but I do know that she's engaged in real life now. I mean, they're not confirming, but that's really the case with, um, I think a photographer. So I'm curious to see if she comes back next season. Erin, thank God, didn't have a big episode because she has just gotten skewered in the last couple of weeks. I know so many of you guys hate her. I will still like Erin. I don't know what it is. I think she is the most like relatable of the bunch. Erin to me is the most like middle ground. She's annoyed at things that annoy her. She's not overdramatic about certain things. She's not scared to show that she's like, who, what's wrong with these people? She did have an interesting conversation with her husband at the dinner with Sai and Sai's husband about like swinging, bringing in an extra. Oh my God, you guys, maybe I'll save it for Patreon about how Lance and I met swingers on Saturday night. So much to say about that. Nothing happened, but like, whoa. Um, so she was like, in 10 years, we're going to talk, like, maybe we'll talk about bringing in a third. Like, it, it just seemed real. That's real conversation between a, a, a loving, happily married couple. That's like, hey, if things get boring, we're going to spice it up. And I like that, that you can have that conversation without the husband being like, what? Or without the wife being like, that's no. Like, let's be honest and open and real and cool. And the fact that she said it on camera, I thought that was really, really um, nice. But she is polarizing. Lots of you guys really can't stand her. Sigh. Well, sigh and Jessel. Number one, I've become a Jessel fan. I've never had this happen to me in one season where the beginning of the season, I truly detest someone. And by the end of the season, I'm assuming we're coming to the end of the season. I really like Jessel because I now know who she is and I accept her and I like her a lot. Not only is she beautiful, I mean, isn't Jess so stunning? Like last night on Watch What Happens Live, holy moly, she's so beautiful. I like her relationship with her husband. I like her humor. I think that, you know, yes, there's part of her that feels like a little out of touch with reality and like maybe a little um, almost like maybe rude a little bit in ways that she's not meaning to be, but like comes off a little bit snobby or whatever. I really like her. I do. I like her. And I like Pavit a lot, her husband. And I really like that she said on Watch What Happens Live that Bethany is the most overrated housewife who is, um, who is you know, talking too much or whatever, just like off the rails. But let's talk about Sai. Sai <clears throat> and Sai, you know. Everyone take a sigh for Sai. Sai needs to, like, Sai is the definition of hangry. She's always in a bad mood and she's always hungry. But this girl needs to really, like Erin said it best on the show a few seasons, a few episodes ago where she's like, does she have a worm? Like, what's happening? Why are you so hungry? She is so incredibly, like, negative to be around. I would not want this person in my life. I don't know if that's who she is in her real life. I don't know if that's who she is around her kids and her family. She seems quite cute around her daughter, but also a little bit interestingly. There was like a warmth, but not. I don't know if you felt that. She had lunch or like coffee or whatever with her little daughter who is, you know, doing auditions and whatever, speaking of what we were just saying. But I felt like there was like a little bit of a, a weirdness with her daughter even. Um, She is – very, I like her in her interviews. She is to me, she's Paige DeSorbo. 
Do you guys get the same feeling? She feels like Paige. She looks like Paige. She talks like Paige. She has a lot of Paige mannerisms. There's a very similarity, like a very strong similarity, but Paige, at least from the Giggly Squad podcast, Paige is likable from that. So I can see the likable side, but Sai, I don't see any likability. Any. When I tell you any. She's mean. She's cutting. She's judgy. She talks shit about everyone. She's constantly complaining. Her personality is a complaining personality. I don't want that around my life. Like that's toxic to me. And the way that she treated Jessel in this lunch that yes, okay, Jessel pulled a Dorit. Jessel is like a Dorit, by the way, I think. Jessel came late to lunch. But we were told on the show it was 41 minutes late or whatever. But according to uh, Jessel on Watch What Happens Live, Sai only got there 21 minutes late. Sai got there 21 minutes late and Jessel got there 20 minutes after her. So it wasn't that crazy. It wasn't that, you know, late or whatever. And either way, Sai held it against her for the entire lunch. Sai hardly looked at her. Sai was more interested in eating her freaking bowl of salad than she was interested in Jessel. This idea of like, be open, be who you are. And Jessel's like, okay. And she's crying. And Sai's like, we're not the same. Stop trying to be who you are. <laughs> Check, please. And then Jessel's like, I'll pay for it. It's fine. And Sai just gets up. Did you notice that? She didn't even go up to Jessel and give her a hug and thank her. Just gets up and goes. It's a work day. I have to go work. I have to go be an influencer. Ew, ew, ew. I would be very happy with Sai not coming back next season. But that, then again, at the same time, like, I guess you always need kind of like the mean girl, right? You need the villain. It was just not, it didn't work. It didn't work. Do I like Roni? I'll watch it. Did I like it more at the beginning of the season? Absolutely. I'm a kind of annoyed with all of them. Just going to be honest, like no one to me is just jumping out as like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm not laughing at all. Nothing is is fun. There's no fun, crazy escapades. There's no Sonia. There's no Ramona. There's no Bethany. I'm like early Roni where we just like we're laughing a lot. There's none of that. And that part makes it a little bit boring. <sighs> Talking about another boring show was this week's Sister Wives. I'm sorry, I just woke up because I think, you guys, we spent an entire hour on two conversations. That's what Sister Wives is. That's the worst part about Sister Wives is the editors of the show are literally like the masters at stretching. It's days of our lives. You know how on days of our lives you can miss an entire year and you'll still be in the same scene? That's what Sister Wives is. It's like, it's so drawn out. It is so boring and yet we cannot stop watching it. But in last night's episode, Janelle and Christine, you know, have a, a, is there only, side note, is there only one Mexican restaurant in Flagstaff? Why are they always at the same restaurant and no one else is there? Do they rent out the room? They go to this Mexican restaurant and they talk, Janelle finally tells Christine, I think I want to be, you know, I want to, I don't want to be married anymore. She doesn't say I want a divorce. I just don't want to be married. Janelle really just needs to get a little bit more firm. I don't want to be with Cody. I don't want to be with you. I want a divorce. Now, meanwhile, Christine's like, yes, come over here. I'm so freaking happy. Christine could not be happier to be away from Cody. And I get it. I'm happy to be away from Cody, right? And meanwhile, then they show them, we did, we did get a Coyote Pass sighting, okay? Coyote Pass, they did a big 
RV, not RV, like motorbike situation in Coyote Pass with the only kids that Cody still is friends with, which are all Robins. He has no relationship with any of his other kids, but if they came out of Robin's, you know, body, I was going to say something worse, then he would, he's, he likes them. If they have Robin's, you know, DNA, he's into them. That's the, that's the level of whether, like how good of a dad Cody is, right? If they're Christine's DNA or Janelle's DNA or God forbid Mary's DNA, like he, he doesn't even remember your name. But if the, he's, they're Robin's DNA, he's out there motorbiking. <laughs> I'm teaching them how to drive. And then, uh, you know what I'm doing. Sobbing Robin. Sab and Robin and Mary have a conversation that is so incredibly drawn out. We finally get into Mary's house. It's shocking that we actually get inside. I, I thought for a while there, I thought it was one of those situations where it was like a set. We see the outside of the house, but if you open the door, it's just like smoke and mirrors. No, it's a real house in there. And so Mary, you know, she crunched up her hair enough. She had enough of the mousse in her hair, enough of the eyeliner to bring Robin into her house. Robin comes in. Robin has a permafrown. Now I really feel like I need another um, – well, I have a half banana here. Robin's mouth is like this. It's a permafrown. I need something to – oh, I can use my blue mean that I'm working with next week more. That's Robin's mouth. Mm. Mm. Permafrown. Mm. It's from all the crying, right? So Robin's like, all right, Mary, what are you going to tell me? I know it's bad news. I have a feeling it's bad news. And Mary says, I'm moving my LuLaRoe business to the B&B because we just got a new shipment of Halloween leggings and they are so hideously ugly that I think they'll sell out. So I ordered six extra boxes for the LuLaRoe team and... Uh, there's not enough room here in this massive house all alone. So I have to go to the B&B where my real lover, Jen, lives. And Robin goes, I'm just so sad. I'm so sad. I just don't understand why Cody would, I just want, I just want Mary to be happy. Okay. Mary will be happy when she is no longer anywhere related or connected to you, to Cody, to Janelle, to Christine. Robin will be happy, in my opinion. This is just a thought. I think Robin will be happy in Jen's loving arms. Let Mary go. Release her. Release her from the contract of polygamy. Cody doesn't want it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a man saying, like, now that we're getting along, that's fine, but like, I can't. I cannot even imagine reconciling that relationship. Like Mary is literally in bed, naked, legs spread open, saying, Cody, come and get it. And Cody's like, oh, gotta go. Gotta go and drink some warm water. Gotta go. And, you know, work on my pecs, work on my six-pack abs, anything but, you know, reconciling my relationship with you, Mary. Then, then we have a change in Sabin Robin. Robin decides that she is going to stand up for herself against these women. She will not ever play the game of victim. 
And if, she, if these women decide that they want to start blaming her for these issues, she is not taking it anymore. I don't believe in being the victim, she says. I don't believe in being the victim. I stand up and I take it. I put my pants on and I get right back up. This is so hard. My nanny, my nanny asked for a raise. <laughs> but I am not a victim. I am not a victim. And I won't have it if any other woman makes me a victim, but I'm not a victim. (laughs) I just can't live alone with Cody. I need someone to take him away from me. He's so annoying. (laughs) But I love him. I love him and I will support him and his COVID rules until the end of the world. For Solomon. How much longer can we do this show, you guys? I was thinking about it today. Are we going to be listening to Sister Wives and watching Sister Wives in in the 2030s? Because I've grown up with Sister Wives. Sister Wives has seen me through, you know, getting my period, having a, getting married, having both my kids. I think it's going to see me through my kids' high school graduation. In fact, when Sister Wives goes off the air, that's the moment where I say, okay, maybe it's over for me right? Anyway, gave you over an hour today, dosers. Tune into Patreon later for the Real Housewives deep dive. We have so much else we can talk about, of course, but I'm going to I'm going to cut it right now. Um, I hope everyone had an amazing weekend. Thank you so much for subscribing, liking, giving this podcast a five-star review. And then of course, your guys' reviews in the podcast app. I see them all. I'm so, so, so grateful for them. That really makes a difference with the show. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Love you, dosers. Bye.